This podcast is brought to you by the HSP World Mastery Program, dedicated to inspiring and empowering HSPs. Hi, and welcome to the HSP World Podcast. With each episode, we have a conversation about an interesting HSP-related topic. We're not coaches or therapists. We're HSPs holding space with you. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas, and your other hosts are... Robin. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It's just us in here today. Once again, we have a host-only discussion of a very interesting topic. We're going to be talking about resilience as highly sensitive people. This is actually a topic suggestion that came from Rain. So Rain, maybe you want to tell us a little bit how you came up with this one. Absolutely. Yeah. I think resilience is an important word and concept for me when I, when I think and feel about my HSP trait, because we're, you know, we're, (laughs) we basically are resilient, um, you know, considering that our senses are, are, you know, more developed, I guess, or just our nervous systems are more developed. So our senses pick up on a lot. So we're sort of in training for resilience when we're born (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we can, we can notice, I mean, I I've noticed myself and I noticed when I was younger that say a loud noise, it, it would, you know, hurt my ears after a while, but I would notice around me that it didn't seem to be affecting most people. Right. So to me, it felt like they were more resilient than I was. And I never really gave myself credit for figuring out how to navigate those different aspects of having the trait. And that that's actually very resilient. HSPs are actually very resilient, but it's like, it seems to me like, I know I haven't given myself enough credit for being resilient. And I, I just felt to me like a lot of HSPs don't either. So mm-hmm. I thought it'd be an interesting thing to chat about what, what the word means to us, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That, yeah. That's very well said. And I think it, it is absolutely true that it's one of the stereotypes or cliches leveled against HSPs that their sensitivity is somehow a weakness or a fragility. Mm. I'm thinking now, um, I remember actually hearing a dating coach one time talk specifically about HSP. Someone had written in and said, I'm an HSP. How do I date? And it was a horrible, he gave a horrible answer because his analogy was, you know, for me, uh, a non-sensitive person is like a sturdy water bottle made out of metal. You can kind of take it anywhere. You can bang it up and it's fine. But a highly sensitive person is like a champagne flute. Hmm. And you got to be careful how you hold it. And if you drop it, it shatters in a million pieces. So, you know, when it comes to dating, it's much better to be like that sturdy water bottle. And I remember thinking, wow, it's really a horrible invalidating answer. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> That's kidding. Really, I mean, you know, but clearly, I, I guess this person was not informed as to what is meant by highly sensitive, right? And and I mean, every anyone, including HSBs, could be oversensitive or overreactive. But that's yeah. not what we're talking about. We're talking about people who are within a healthy range, still are more 
sensitive than the average. And I, what I thought was particularly unfair about that analogy is that, you know, those are, those are not two similar receptacles, right? You obviously would not use a water bottle for the same thing that you would use a champagne flute for, right? Exactly. And like the, the, the champagne, you don't, you don't want to bring the water bottle, I don't know, to a wedding or something and serve champagne out of that. So yeah. there's ways in which that would be inappropriate too. But it did, yeah, it was a faulty analogy, but I think it really does show how people think of HSPs in terms of resilience. And, and it's, I think it's worth noting that, you know, a lot of HSPs, when they hear the word resilience, they, they think of it almost like a dirty word because they've heard, you know, other people tell, hey, you know, don't be so sensitive and be a little stronger, be more resilient. And that's not what mm. we're talking about here. Yeah. The, the concept of resilience, actually, the definition is the ability to become strong, healthy, and successful after something bad happens. And, and the, the cool thing is, is that HSPs have a lot of ways that are already in them that are about bouncing back and returning to where they were before. And I think that's what we're talking about here today. Yeah. One of the things that we would like to explore is this idea that there could be different paths to that same thing. So what Thomas just described, uh, the ability to become strong again or healthy again or sex successful again after a negative event, there's more than one way to do that, right? Yeah. One of the things that we looked at is this idea that, okay, so in order to keep your same shape or your same state after something bad happens, it could mean, as we often think, it could mean that you're static. It could mean that you are unchanging. Anything can happen to you and you'll stay the same. You'll just kind of flatlining. Nothing's gonna, nothing can affect you, right? That's kind of how we first think of resilience, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's resilience in the sense of, flexibility. Mm -hmm. So yeah. someone who's going to bend in response to an event that comes and, and impacts them, but then will bend back, you know, or, or as we say, literally bounce back into the original shape or the original healthy, strong state. So I think that even if you are someone who's reactive, if you are someone who adapts a lot to situations, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not being resilient. Absolutely. Different ways of being resilient. HSPs have a way of, of adapting. I mean, we, we have learned to adapt since we you know, were small children and it's that ability to adapt that, that makes us resilient. Mm. One example that I can think of is with the pandemic having changed the way people work, now my, basically my whole family works from home. And, you know, that was quite a change from before where it was only me working from home. We, you know, certainly don't have enough rooms to, to have offices for each of us. So we, we have our offices wherever we could make them, and I made my office in the living room. And what that means is, is that there's going to be some times when the rest of the family's off work and they want to come in, they want to watch TV, whatever, and now the question is, what do I do when I'm, I'm trying to focus and work and whatnot? 
So the way that I adapt is I got some earbuds and some headphones that block out all the, the, the external sound and noise, and I'll put on some calm music or whatever, and that allows me to continue to work, even though people are watching TV and they're chatting or whatever it might be. So that's just an example of where I express my resilience. It's like, okay, I'm going to adapt here. This is, you know, we mm-hmm. we this is the situation we're in right now. My office is in the living room, and others are just welcome to to do what they want to do because I am adapting. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. I, I really thank you for giving that example, Thomas, because I. When, when we're talking about resilience and we look at the dictionary meaning of it as tending to recover from or adjust easily to misfortune or change, you're, well, I suppose the pandemic could be also, could be both. <laughs> it's definitely change. change. It's oh, yeah. Change. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But it can, but, you know, keeping in mind that resilience will look different if it's a misfortune or if it's a change, right? So for me, I have different expectations or I suppose for myself to adapt to change as opposed to misfortune. Because misfortune is, you know, a little bit more severe, right? It's as stressful. Opposed- yeah, it's more stressful. Yeah, more stressful as opposed to change, right? So, and, and in terms of that, you know, if it takes us a long time to come back up after that, sometimes we can get a feeling that we're not doing it fast enough or mm-hmm. something's wrong with us or, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And, you know, it's the work in progress to keep telling myself, Hey, you know what? You're doing good. You're making progress. You know, in our, in our fast paced throwaway kind of you know, way things are, we're sort of used to things happening really fast. And you know what? meaningful change happens usually slower yeah yeah you know yeah definitely yeah if you take too narrow a snapshot of the timeline mm-hmm. and you just look at okay how you know immediately after a change or a misfortune how is an hsp responding compared to a non-hsp yes of course they'll be more impacted and typically for the worse especially if it's a negative situation however if you look over time mm-hmm you know, if that, if that person is, has healthy, normal functioning and, and coping mechanisms and social support, um, then the HSP will find their way back up. In other words, there's nothing, there's nothing in high sensitivity that inherently makes it impossible for the HSP to come back up and perhaps even exceed where they were before. Right. And this brings us to the next point, which I think is so interesting, you know, the more you look into some of the research that's been done on high sensitivity or environmental sensitivity, as it's sometimes called in, in that context, more and more studies are interested in, in seeing how are people who are on the high end of the sensitivity spectrum, how are these people responding to interventions? Mm. Okay. So there have been quite a few studies looking at what happens when highly sensitive children or adults receive interventions, for example, anti-bullying programs for kids, resilience programs for kids, psychological interventions from a therapist for adults, parenting practices for parents of highly sensitive children. I think there was another study with Elaine Aaron and her husband actually on uh, teen girls who were showing symptoms of depression. And then they had a, 
a resilience or some kind of resilience intervention. So when you look at the results of these uh, studies, they actually find that the highly sensitives get more of a benefit from the interventions than the non-sensitives. Mm -hmm. So I think Elaine Aaron has made this point several times that, you know, high sensitivity is not just sensitivity to negative situations. It's also sensitivity to positive situations and positive interventions. So yes, we get more impacted by bad things that happen, but we also get more impacted by good things that happen. And that can, you know, if we're lucky and also if we try to, I guess, make our own luck as well. But depending on how we handle that, you can at the very least neutralize some of the bad things that happen or in other cases, even end up doing better after a negative outcome. If you go through something adverse, mm-hmm. you know, if you go through a very a, a difficult time as a lot of people have during COVID. And if that's maybe, let's say the first time that you go seek therapeutic help. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of people, when they first go to therapy, they discover things that they realize, huh, okay, I'm consulting for one situation, but actually there are many situations that in my life before this one, where what we're talking about actually is relevant. So, you know, then you end up addressing all of those situations and you end up in some ways actually improving your quality of life, even beyond what it was before the negative thing happened. Yeah. And so I think it was Aaron or one of her colleagues had a bit of an ironic comment where they said, well, are we going to start talking about how non-HSPs are, you know, low sensitive to positive interventions or resistant (laughs) interventions? Like, are we going to start saying that about them? You know, just that, I don't, I don't don't think we, I'm not going to advocate for that, but it, you know, it, it just highlights the point that you have to look at both sides of it. And traditionally if sensitivity was thought of as a weakness or a, a vulnerability, that would predispose you to all sorts of problematic situations. It can be that, absolutely, but it's not only that. It does also predispose you to um, getting more of a a benefit from good things that happen. When I was reading the article on the anti-bullying intervention, it reminded me of something that happened to me when I was in either the first or second grade. And that was, I, I woke up one morning and, and I was covered in hives, you know, big, just hives all over my body. And my mom took one look at me and she says, oh, you can't go to school like that. And like within 10, 15 minutes, all the hives disappeared. And she says, oh, okay, something's up, you know. Mm-hmm. So what it, what had happened is, is that the day before, a teacher, so I was really a, a really shy, shy kid when I was going to elementary school even all the way into high school. And um, a, a teacher had, I guess, noticed that I was good with technology or good with things, you know, whatever it might be, and and recommended that I be a part of the AV club. And the AV club was simply the, the kids that set up, you know, the projector and the, the, the slide thing and all that. And so I said, oh, sure, you know, I was flattered, right? somebody actually recognized me and said, hey, you know, you should do this. So I went there, and of course, the first thing that happened is that an older boy started taunting me and threatening me. And that was the reason that psychologically, it must have been deep in my subconscious. But when I woke up, I was so afraid of of going to school that I developed hives. So, you know, obviously, my mom 
called up the school and said, hey, you know, he's he's no longer in the AV club. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and then it was fine from there. And, and in some sense, I can see where that helped me because someone stepped in to intervene and, you know, my mom recognized my sensitivity at that point. So, yeah, it was interesting to, to read the article and see how the anti-bullying intervention was really helping HSPs, kids who were higher on the, on, on the sensitivity scale. That's, that's really interesting, Thomas. And it, it's bringing up another study. It was on depression on mm-hmm. teenage girls in the UK. And basically the study, what they did is they provided additional support for the teenage girls that were experiencing depression and Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. And it was beautiful results. It was very, very effective. So much like, much like what you're talking about, Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. After the break, we talk about how dealing with big emotions can inform us on things we can do to bounce back. We'll be right back after this. Our podcast is brought to you by the HSP World Mastery Program, with a mission of inspiring and empowering highly sensitives so you can use your natural creative abilities to co-create an amazing and hope-filled future. The HSP World Mastery Program uses data-driven, positive tools and methods supporting your growth in a way that's gentle, thoughtful, and caring, with an emphasis on positive impacts and results on your daily life. You can learn more about the HSP World Mastery Program by visiting hsp.world forward slash mastery. Now let's return to our podcast. Rain, I wanted to get back to something that you were talking about, too, which was the difference between change and misfortune. And that is, you know, HSPs are familiar with big emotions, right? We, We know big emotions when they happen. We can sort of like say, oh, look, something, something's about to happen or something is happening. And I know for myself, you know, one of the things that I that I do is I try to modulate my own response to myself. I try to be kind to myself. Mm-hmm. And it'll be things like taking a walk, just getting outdoors or, you know, getting into nature if I can, if, if I have a little bit of time to go a little farther. Or even something like listening to calming music. For me, again, because we have a small house and there's four of us here, sometimes I'll just escape into the garage and take some time for myself. So that's one thing that we forget as HSPs is that we're actually pretty good with big emotions, right? Because we know we've we've already developed these patterns that allow us to deal with the stress. Yeah, that kind of reminds me at the very beginning of the pandemic, I was meeting with some other HSPs and some of them, ironically, those who were kind of going through a rough time right before or while the pandemic hit, people who had lost a job already or were in grief, when the pandemic hit, you would think, oh, well, they're going to crumble, right? But actually, for some of them, the response was, oh, well, okay, this is familiar. (laughs) 
I've been mm-hmm. dealing with this for a while. I've been dealing with, you know, normal life is shutting down and things don't feel the same and everything's a bit overwhelming. Actually, it's nice to have a bit of company and to see other people going through some <laughs> difficult stuff too, you know? So as you say, no strangers to to big and even dark emotions. Yeah. And, you know, if the stereotypes were true, those people would not be saying that during a global catastrophe, they'd be, they'd be crumbling to pieces and maybe some did. I'm, I'm sure some HSPs and non-HSPs have had a very difficult time, but some others have bounced back and have been able to say, oh, yeah, you know, I've been through something like this before. Now I'm just not alone. Mm-hmm. I like the way you said that, Robin. That was <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> it really happened. It would be um, so interesting to actually speak to a number of HSPs and see how they adapted during that transition. Yeah, now that you it's know? been a little while. Yeah. So Thomas, the first point that you brought up that actually connects to an article that we found and uh, we highly recommend it if you'd like to have a look. It came out recently on Highly Sensitive Refuge and they're specifically listing ways that highly sensitive people show resilience. So we've said, we mentioned a couple of them already like adapting every day in little ways even when we don't realize it being familiar with big emotions also the other things that they mention here so one is striving for balance another one is seeking something greater than themselves and the last one they mention is appreciating the small things i definitely connect to that last one appreciating the small things i think it's another example of how we can get more uh, of a benefit from things than uh, non-sensitive people might. Mm-hmm. It's like a little goes a long way, yeah. right? So yes, little negative things will affect us more, but little positive things, if we're open to them and if we can integrate them into our lives, definitely can pick us up. I think those last two that were where they say, you know, seeking something greater than themselves and appreciating the small things, that does speak to being in the present as opposed to focusing on the past or focusing mm. on the future. So there is something to, I don't know if you call it the healing, a, a healing property of focusing on the present. Is that, is that a good way to put it? <laughs> yeah. There's something, there's something about being present that at least for me, just, you know, um, really does calm me down and make me feel much better. Yeah, more appreciative of, of, and maybe it's because we do feel those big feelings and, you know, that finding reprieve in our walk in nature brings us so much, you know, it, it just calms us and can restore us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just the notion of the notion that, you know, we're familiar with, yeah, going through the big emotions with needing to to seek out balance, as they say over here. And I think also Thomas's example of having to find new ways to work at home. I think when you're used to that, then yeah, it makes it a little bit easier to have to do it in a big way. So now might be a good time to discuss. What do you think? What are some of the ways that you yourselves have grown resilience? Mm. Well, I'll tell you one of mine, I was never really one to give very much credence to therapy as in psychotherapy. (laughs) You know, I'm just being honest. That's, um, and 
I found for me that being open, because after experiencing, you know, some misfortunes, I was kind of beating up on myself. Like, why aren't you bouncing back from this? Why aren't you bouncing back from this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, and it was like, okay, there's a reason you're not bouncing back from this. So you need to understand or, or, you know, work, work through that. Right. And that's when I thought, okay, well, I haven't been open to therapy before. How about we give this a whirl? (laughs) And I'll tell you, geez, I think I interviewed about six therapists (laughs) (laughs) till I, and it was the sixth one. And I thought, okay. And it was a certain type of therapy. I I knew the kind I I wanted and we worked together on that. And geez, there was, I found so much growth, not saying it wasn't hard (laughs) because it was, you know, but wow, what a huge difference in how I, I look at it now and how I can go, oh, okay. I see where that feeling was coming from. Oh, I see what that was related to. Oh, okay. And then, so it's, it's, it's actually increased my resilience doing that. Yeah. Right. And that was a really, you know, it was a tough thing for me to do because geez, you know, only, you know, crybabies or, you know, whatever go to therapy. Right. Mm. That was, and it, it, that's, it's the dumbest thing to think really, you know, in a way, but that was sort of what was in the back of my mind. And I didn't, I didn't really give it much weight or credence until it got to the point where it was like, no, <laughs> here's the wall. This is what you need to, mm. to look at now. And geez, I'm so glad I did. I am just mm. really, really grateful I did because it helped and it's been helping ever since. So I think I went, it was about 12 sessions I went to. So, cause of course, when I hear people going to therapy for years and years and years, it just doesn't compute for me because I can't, yeah. I can't see doing that, you know? Yeah. And I wasn't expecting instant results. I wasn't even, I didn't really even have any expectations and maybe that was good because it, it, for me, I just found it really helpful. So in that case, I was advocating for myself and, and showing that no, there's nothing wrong with me recognizing a problem or recognizing when I'm, you know, if I'm struggling with something that all that means is I just don't know. I don't know. And that's okay. It's mm-hmm. okay not to know. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Rain. I think that's a super important point that contrary to what we might think that resilience can in fact look like asking for help from the right people, getting the right kinds mm-hmm. of help. And I, I love that you actually specified, you know, you looked for a therapist that really fit with you mm-hmm. because I think I've, a few HSBs have told me they had not the best experiences when it was just any therapist that they took. So it really is good to, to look for someone that kind of gets that part of you and really does fit with what you're trying to do. But I think that's, that's a really helpful general point. And more generally, you know, having a social network. I think having a social network, I think that's something I learned to do too. I think there's this kind of a similar point behind it, not necessarily in seeking out therapy, but in seeking out connection. How could I say that? Yeah. Connection and, and well, yeah, I mean, people talk a lot about vulnerability, but yeah, coming, coming clean with our vulnerabilities. And it took me a long time to learn 
how to do that. And now I, I actually try to use it systematically anytime that I'm feeling insecure about something or caught up on something. I, if I, I try to surround myself by people that I feel that I can disclose to, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, it's allowing yourself to talk honestly about what you're struggling mm-hmm. with. And I mean, usually if you, if it's something that you say, you know, you kind of, you, you explain what's going on with yourself with the right people, you know, the response is just, will will just be a positive one. The response will be, okay, you know, we, we hear you and we see you and, you know, maybe we've been there, maybe we haven't, but we support you going through that. And that definitely, that breaks the isolation a lot of times too. Mm -hmm. And, and that gives you a, sometimes it gives you concrete information that you need to bounce back. Right. Sometimes you say, oh, I'm going through this problem. I've had that. I've had that with, for example, I had a housing issue one time and, um, I was sharing it, not necessarily with people that I was expecting concrete help from, but in, in just disclosing what was going on with me, uh, a friend spoke up and said, Hey, I can actually help you with that. So it led to concrete help. Other times it leads to emotional help, but that's a way to get to resilience, right? Because if you just sit there with your problems and you don't talk about it, you're, you're emotionally isolated for one. And that, that actually leads to a kind of fragility. Um, but you may also miss out on really important concrete pointers and, and, and tools that will help you. So Absolutely. being able to be vulnerable and, and connect with people that you trust. I mean, the difficult thing is that there are a few steps behind that, right? You kind of have to slowly build up those relationships over time because right. in the wrong relationships, if you are you know, if you, you're honestly just disclosing something that's going on with you, it may, it may not be well received, right? Like everyone has their bad moments, of course, right? Everyone has moments in a friendship or a partnership where, okay, you know, you can't be there for the other person or you just, you know, have a bad day and you're not listening properly. But I'm, I'm talking about people who systematically are, are not showing up for you or not supporting you well. So if you're in that situation, then it could be a flag as well that, okay, I've got to go build my social network because strong social networks will actually be nourished by you showing up in a vulnerable place mm-hmm. and, and asking genuinely for help. And then it just becomes a, a, an upward cycle, right? Of you disclose what's going on, you strengthen the connection, and then you, they can help you again, you can help them, and so on and so forth. Usually a social, when, when I hear the word social network, I think of, you know, hundreds. Oh no, (laughs) no, I don't mean the social network, social networking. I mean, your social, your social circle. Yes. Right. Or or your familial or your close friend circle. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those two or three or four people that you can really trust. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be, it's not likely to be more than, you know, right. Let's say five, maybe 10, if you're lucky. And Robin, what I wanted to add to that is that sometimes it's just, it just helps to get something off your chest. Yeah. I found sometimes it's like, a, there's this thing that's just bothering me, whatever. And as soon as I speak it, like all that stress goes away and it's like, oh, gee, all I had to do was to speak it out and, and have someone listen. I, you know, no more, no more actions, no more whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's, there was no action item attached to it. It just mm-hmm. needed, it just needed to get out. Mm. And that's that's what's nice about having someone you can trust to to talk to about things like that. 
Oh, I was just one popped into my head. Um, and that was journaling as a way to grow yeah. resilience. I wanted to, to say that for me, what, what's helped me grow my resilience is, is self-reflection and self-examination. Mm -hmm. and and I've been doing this um, with a life coach as well and um, and just as it it's so important to find a therapist who understands sensitivity it's the same for hiring a life coach I'm very blessed in having a coach that knows both sensitivity and multipotentiality so it, it really helps me look at myself and and saying like okay I've I'm being blocked by something, you know, what is that? How can I, how can I identify it and work with it and, 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 and bounce around it, I guess is the way to put it. And you yeah. mentioned journaling. There's also one thing that I find very helpful and that's to, to journal specifically gratitudes, doing a gratitude journal. Mm -hmm. And again, that's about focusing on the present. Like what, what are all the things that I'm grateful for that I have right now? as opposed to focusing on things that, you know, I want or I don't have, or there's just something so calming and so, um, so assuring about making a list of the things I'm grateful for. So I can, yeah. I can highly recommend that. I, and I would, I would encourage, you know, just in light of this research that we're seeing that HSPs get so much more out of positive experiences, right. And mm -hmm. how, how a little really goes a long way. Um, yeah, definitely cultivating a gratitude practice or any kind of practice that allows you to reflect on what's working, what's good. Sometimes I, I, I journal quite a bit and sometimes something I like to do is go back and look at past entries and it gives me a bit of context and perspective to see, oh, right, okay, you know, I've forgotten how difficult that moment was or wow, based on what I was writing, I see, you know, I don't think like that anymore. Whoa. Okay. There really has been a change. And that, that makes me feel hopeful as well. That reminds me, okay. Yeah. I, you know, growth is possible. Sure. <laughs> I can, I can get through this. I got through that. I can get through this too. Absolutely. And each one, each, each time, I guess we, we go through it and we, we come up again, you know, not we we experience a challenge it's a it's an opportunity it's an opportunity to go okay you know we're adaptive anyway so how how can I deal with this I think probably that the toughest one for me was being willing to be vulnerable that mm -hmm. was the toughest yeah. one yeah all right and that's why it took you know five therapists the sixth one it was like Mm, yeah, I think you'll be okay. <laughs> you know, the, the first five was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> you know. That so, issue of vulnerability is a great topic, and probably should have another yeah. podcast just on on vulnerability. Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah for the people listening. If that's uh, if that's something you guys wanna wanna chat about or hear thoughts about or anything just let, let us know us yeah i think i'm gonna add one more here so and i need this i need <laughs> it's a reminder for for me too um but really radically accepting your difference right radically accepting that okay i don't necessarily 
live through these situations the same way that other people do. Uh, I may not be having a reaction the same way that other people are, and I may need more time or different processes to get me through it. And right. I think, as you said, right, you know, the more we beat ourselves up or put expectations on ourselves to respond to things in a certain way, the harder it's going to be. And and the less able we'll be to actually tap into our sources of resiliency. Mm. So I think if you, you know, you don't have to do resilience the way other people do. No. You can come up with your own your own strategies, your own processes, your own timeline, really. Um, and, and just kind of let that be, it's hard <laughs> thinking about it. I'm thinking, uh, there's definitely those moments where, you know, I wish I could get through things a little faster, a little bit more smoothly or easily, but it, it is what it is and you can't change that. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's, you're, you're, you're much better off, uh, instead of resisting it, just kind of working with it. Yeah. Acceptance. Yeah, absolutely. This was good. I think we covered a lot of ground today on this topic yeah. of resilience. Yeah. Yeah, I really I really enjoyed it, you guys. Thank you so much. I did too. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Thomas and Rain, and of course to all our listeners. So please join us for our next episode where we'll be having another interesting HSP conversation. And to any highly sensitives out there who have a burning HSP-related question, big or small, we invite you to ask it on the HSP World podcast just email info at hsp.world. And a friendly reminder to visit the HSP World website at hsp.world. Our thanks to the HSP World Mastery Program and to all of you who support our show by subscribing and listening to our podcast, reading the blog posts on our website at hsp.world, and chatting with us on our social media channels. Your support is contributing to the upliftment of HSPs around the world. We're very grateful.